0: No it's not It is It is
1: I swear to god Look it up Dry skin in your ears And really itchy ears Are uh, perimo- perimenopausal I've got sign. A fucking really dry skin In my ears But they're not that itchy We're both perimenopausal right now
0: if you ever say that to me again I'll punch you in the We're face. both
1: perimenopausal I can't speak Imagine today. I just oh god, Could you imagine how much that hurts Yeah like Have someone- you never been hit in the face No Like someone properly I've been slapped in the face But I've never been like Punched in I've the face I've been kneed in the face <sighs> On your nose mm. Ever been in school And someone kicks a ball And hits in it? The- <laughs> That has happened to me so many. That has happened to me more times than is necessary.
0: And I the, used to play
1: football In so the yeah. cold weather. You yeah. just horrible, right? like... <laughs> I think my head flies back. And it's horrible. Like it's actually so disconcerting for about five minutes. You don't know what the fuck's going on. Well, you're probably slightly concussed. I often think... Keep I got
0: like a ball. You could like uh, just kick it. At about 25, 35 miles an hour.
1: I often think about this thing right if I'm walking downtown... This is one of my thoughts when I'm walking. I don't know if I have slight OCD. Please don't write it in. I'm sure I don't. Uh, I often think when I'm walking down 10, God, imagine if just someone just punched me into the back of the head right now and I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. It's the not expecting it thing for me because, like, you're, you're completely relaxed. So you're not kind of seizing, like, punching the back of the head. What would you do? Me? My anger would just kick in. I think I just collapsed to the ground. <laughs> I think about this a lot. I'm not even joking. Like, I often think about, like, somebody, just hitting you when you're when you're somewhere that you're not expecting it. Just walking around, someone just like hits you into the face. Okay, that would be so painful. It, well
0: What I mean, getting hit in the face is painful. Getting hit in general, but, in but getting hit like have have you ever like been walloped in the nose? Not only by a ball. Richie hit me with a golf club once in the face, and it like, but like by accident, he swung oh, back, and I was behind fuck. him, and it like hit me right in the nose. No, I've never.
1: The only thing I've ever, I don't think I've ever like, I've had like you know like, football in the face, or I had a t- uh, basketball one time hit me in the face, and a basketball. And that it was, was basketball. really sore. Yeah, a fair. A few whacks to the head. Now that we're talking about it. Yeah, no, I haven't. Other than that, I haven't had any sort of so, like anyone. No one's gone pooh I've been slapped backhanded and slapped, but not. Oh, like, you know, Poop. I've been in like physical fights, and like I've had people like.
0: It's like you. In, knee me in the face, yeah.
1: Man, you know, you watch like that Fold MMA by head. or the UFC and they're like fucking kneeing them in the face. Yeah, it's so dangerous. I wouldn't be able to, because I'd see someone bleeding. I'd be like, oh, stop. Oh no, I'd be like, keep... Don't! <sighs> Kill him! You, UFC is, MMA is horrible. No, I, I couldn't. I like rotten. honestly
0: couldn't. You know when you
1: watch people like fighting or you know when you come across a fight? Oh, man. It's awful. Like, I, I keep getting these fucking things on my Instagram... Explorer four page or whatever it's called. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why I'm getting them. Obviously, I accidentally clicked on a video or something. Just people recording people fighting. In the oh, streets. I think it's because I'm hanging out with
0: you. Like, I get them on my TikTok. Why the
1: fuck am I getting? I don't yeah. want to see people getting beaten up like, yeah. I, and people get the kick out of that. Yeah. Like people do, like violently attacked. I'm like, I don't fucking see this yeah. man, like run. Anyway, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. we are back again. We're
0: back a week after we said we'd record because we got terrible this lights. Is,
1: this is my fault this time. I just was like, no, I'm not doing this. I
0: don't think it is your fault. No, it
1: is fully my fault. It's fully my fault this week.
0: Well, I had a shitty week last week, boy. Yeah, I wouldn't I have been any use. i was so upset.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: You know what I mean? So I wouldn't have actually been... Like, it's hard I would have to kind been, of like, come on here. It's hard like, to pretend. Line. Like, ha yeah, yeah, ha yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. all Yeah. All yeah. All yeah. All yeah. All Pretty sick um, You know I like And even people Were messing me On Instagram that I listened to The podcast And they were like Hey I uh, hope you're okay And I couldn't even pretend I was like I literally throw wrote
1: back To someone Life is shit Life is shit <laughs> Life is pretty shit At the moment For everybody Things Not just us, terrible right, I think as well Like I, I don't want To go on about Like what's happening I do want to go on About what's happening In Palestine I just think that is Taking It's I can't Doing Like this is true I'm doing something I'm like Yesterday when we were in the car like going somewhere and in the back of my head the whole time I'm going there's a literal genocide happening right now. Yeah. Not only here but in the Congo and other countries as well. We're just watching the absolute eradication of a people. And then to log onto to Instagram and find uh, a real estate company from Israel who are posting pictures of the rubble of Gaza with superimposed pictures of beach houses that they're going to sell and build there. and mm-hmm. uh, We're meant to be like thumbs up guys, let's uh, go to work, yeah. what's that spreadsheet, children's are, limbs are being blown, blown off, oh phone call to the manager, like I can't, I can't do it, like mm-hmm. I just, I can't and it's really, really difficult, so, and now you're going to have to listen to a story about horrible stuff, so welcome. Hey, welcome to this
0: week's episode to the podcast. How are you? I'm okay, you I'm fine, a check? the blood pressure is... All over the shop. She was good yesterday.
1: She was good yesterday. She, she was good yesterday. She was
0: good today. Um I feel a bit twitchy today.
1: Twitchy? Yeah, the old mean?
0: face is twitchy. Really? You know that thing I get in my face. Is it your eye? Yeah. That's crazy. But my kidney's doing well. I'm on for Zika. That seems to be healthy considerably. I've lost like four and a bit stone. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more energy, I would say, but I'm not, I don't have as much brain fog. Have you not noticed that?
1: Yeah, that's really good.
0: Like, I have not been saying to you, I don't know the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, that stopped
1: happening. It's helping with that then, obviously.
0: Yeah, so I think that, and I think the fact that I've been taking the vitamins. Okay. Because I had no iron and I had no vitamin B12. Yes, yeah. And I got, I started to get the B12 injection. So, yeah, I started an auto, an immunosuppressant treatment a couple of Fridays ago. Great. Um... So I think that's helping With the kidney a bit as well So yeah all, all in all We're getting there We I, I, I think we no, yeah. Hopefully It's cause... really boring I'm sick of trying to talk about it I know but Oh sorry I just asked it No cause... I don't mind you yeah, talk yeah, yeah. But you know like I'm sure people are like Oh shut up will you No nobody's like that
1: Well I would be If I was listening to me no, This that's because You're a fucking cunt <laughs> We do not have any cunts Listening to us Also I want to be like Sycophantic for a little while uh, We have really hot people who listen to our show We do Honestly like, when we were at the live shows, I was like, there are so many hot people in this room. so And so, so many, many well dressed, really attractive, well dressed people. Stylish women. people. Yeah, like, honest to God. Like, I was like, look at us.
0: Honestly, <laughs> and then there's me and you. be <laughs> like,
1: just turn it off. Hanging out. It's like fucking melting on the <laughs> open. Uh... In the worst possible angles for any human being to ever. Honest to, to God. Ever wait
0: till I tell you sit. something. Sit. What I have found out is you, uh, the chair is important.
1: The chair is so important. important. I now understand why people who go on those like talk shows. But do you understand why I was sitting up in Cork? I was sitting up like that. Because there are pictures of us from... And we're like... Yes. And it's
0: awful. I went, that, that seat in Cork was so uncomfortable. It was, yeah. And the light in Cork was so fucking offensive. It was, it was like... I had Wah. such a headache. Um, But yeah, but like, I also had like high blood pressure. So the headache
1: couldn't have been from that. You're right, that. That I, I apologize. I also get why... The talk shows They sit in a They sit on very way.
0: certain chairs I Yeah mean, Like because people always say That the Graham Norton couch Is really uncomfortable
1: But it's because but it, it forces makes them you sit up.
0: To sit up Because if I got on that
1: Graham Norton couch I'd be like Oh yeah, a, a slump, 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 A slump of a dink. slump of dinka Because uh, my cousin Helen Was telling me She listens to that Force Five Force five podcast It's the one with Kimmel And Fallon Oh and yeah 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 And they were saying That like people don't understand Like the intricacies Of Of Like talk shows Because what they have to do Is before they do the talk show They have to bring people in In the clothes that they're going to be wearing On the talk show To sit on the chairs Before they film To check the angles And check what their clothes look like To see if it actually works on camera So he's like there's Sometimes people will come in And they'll be wearing an outfit And the, the producer's like Look that's not working you need to change your outfit. You need to put something else on. Because it's crazy. Like the optics of that, where it's like, you don't want to look in any way bad. It's like, do you know who I felt really bad for? Uh, what's her name? Is it SZA? Is that her name? SZA. So the, the, the the singer and rapper, Siza, SZA. You know her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, she was out a couple of weeks ago at something, at a function or something. And uh, paparazzi took pictures of her. Now, her... Ma- well, whoever did her makeup should be fired immediately. Oh, okay. They did a terrible job. And the pictures, she just... This top of her face is a different color than the bottom of her face. She just know, contoured
0: very heavily. Really
1: badly. And the well, obviously, whenever the lights they use in those cameras are fucking insane. Yeah. So she messaged the pepper, paparazzi and was like, hey, would you mind not publishing these? Because people will take them and... Absolutely wrong with them. And uh, like she was being, I get it. It's like people on the internet are so mean. It's like they take I'm one minute. Let tell you sh- something. Just
0: picture me at my depths. And I don't know how I'm doing it But one eye is looking one way And the other <laughs> eye is looking the other way And if that ever got out I'd kill myself I
1: know I was <laughs> like Like she I'm what the pap- And Graham On a monthly basis says Do you remember that photo You and your <laughs> But like they asked She asked she sent a number of messages Asking them Please don't publish them I'll give you like access To something else If you don't publish them And instead of doing that The fucking paparazzi Got the photo and screen capped all her messages and put it up on Instagram. What? So now everybody has seen the photo along with her being like, please don't do this. And I think that there's a level of cruelty there that needs to be investigated because I know you're famous and I know there are certain things that come with fame, but also she's a human being and she's a woman in an industry dominated by men and dominated by men who made her think she had to go out and get a BBL and her nose done and liposuction surgery, yeah. and all this shit done to her body because she wasn't living up to the standards of a rat bitch yeah. and it's not fair and I just thought to myself like when I saw She's that She's very talented I like all her albums Yeah and like people fair, fair play a lot of people a few people were like this is stupid and then the, the majority were like you should not have put this up this is not okay she asked you like as a person you feel that you're like yeah. oh man like there are pictures I don't look at pictures of myself and I don't like people taking pictures of me I hate it actually but if people but want, that's not to say if you want to take a picture of me the live show, it's fine. I'm not going to see it, but like you will see. No, but I don't. I want. I want to look at the time. I know,
0: but you do this. Yeah, but
1: you do. Yeah, see I know it. Like I, I,
0: I know you're having like one of those days. And then the I picture. know you've looked at. <laughs> you're a stupid. I'm a stupid bitch. <laughs> like self annoying Yeah, I love to make. Idiot. I love to
1: make myself feel bad. But like. I was just like, if somebody did that, if I messaged somebody be like, "Hey, sorry, would you mind taking that picture?" Down? and they screenshotted my message and mm. put the picture, that's bullying, Emma. That is. Full-blown, one hundred percent bullying. Yeah, like she that that guy was—he was bullying her. I just fuck, man. I felt for her. I was like, and then she's mortified because he he put her messages out. But she that's true. Wow. When
0: Beyonce played the Super Bowl, oh yeah, and she will like, pictures, be certain pictures. Um, and then that picture was everywhere. You know the one where she looks. Yeah, like? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I was like, that woman. Like I, me and I wanted to the Renaissance to her. It's three errors of full-blown. Like she is a athlete. She's, she's an athlete. But the thing about it is like there's pictures of footballers and pictures of like athletes that where they look like that. Yeah. That's the face they have on. Yeah, yeah. And they're not like don't put that. That's like seen as like this like I've, I'm yeah, really yeah, tough yeah, yeah. and I'm like yeah. look at how I'm I was just like I felt really bad for her I one of the time because she was like I
1: like, I don't want that But then people turned it into a green hulk. I know. And this is the thing. Look, it's the internet. You're going to be a meme for like I'd six months. i love to be a meme. No you wouldn't. No you wouldn't. I have oh my god I read a Rolling Stone article I will get the link to the Rolling Stone article and I will put it up here do you know that meme of the Milady guy Milady, he's the big guy with the trilby on anyway so that was a meme for ages and people took the absolute piss out of him for ages and ages Mm. and ages Rolling Stone interviewed him oh and he was basically like this ruined my life he's like this apps he's like you don't understand how much this ruined my life and the damage this did to me as a person oh. he was like uh, he was like it's not that people are laughing with you they're laughing at you he's like there's a vast difference so they interviewed a f- f- few people that had become memes unawares to them they didn't want to become memes okay and just them talking about like the effect it had on them like you got death traps and shit like I
0: remember that that big guy that did the Star Wars thing in his oh the, with the yeah in the basement or whatever yeah, yeah. And he, I don't think he wanted to be famous. No, like,
1: this is the thing. A lot of memes are, people are like, I didn't, I didn't ask for, like, it's just Yeah, a they're pic- not vines. It's
0: just a picture of me. Yeah.
1: Like, so, you know. Same with
0: that one kid on the beach where he's like.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But he, like, he, could
1: you imagine if they monetized that? I know. Like. Also, yeah, it's like, where the fuck, I'm not getting paid for this. Yeah, you're not making any Corporations money Corporations are using this yeah. and getting millions from it and I'm not getting fucking paid. My
0: all-time favorite meme is. uh, <laughs> What? The Saturday Night Live one of. Um, John Mulaney that Pete Davidson does where he's his own colour it's like he's like (laughs) hello (laughs) those memes make me laugh so much Pedophile (laughs) (laughs) memes are great so do you want to talk about the fact that Oprah is on uh Zempic. Zempic. She's on. And now is <laughs> did uh, anybody not think of what's up? No people. Do you know she, who else is on his But Did you not hear the next move?
1: Oh, she bought She bought one hundred and sixty million dollars worth of stock in Zempic, and she's like, what? She owns Weight Watchers as well, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, and Weight Watchers are starting a company where they, they are. sell weight loss medication. Of course they are. Yeah, of course they are. Did anybody think this wasn't going to happen? <gasps> also, holy fuck, Kelly Clarkson. Oh, Zempic girl. Oh my God. Oh, Zempic. They. Listen, I'm not going to get into the Ozempic argument because whatever, people have their opinions on it. But if you have multi-billionaires taking Ozempic stock from diabetics who desperately need it, a lot of questioning needs to be done here. Yeah. A lot of questioning. And also a lot of questioning to the side effects. What also makes me laugh is you'll have the same people in the comment sections of people taking Ozempic going, people can take whatever they want and they're anti-vaxxers. Yeah. And you know that Ozempic causes problems in the long run and you know what it can do to your body, which is not good, which includes thyroid cancer, which is one of, when you click on the Ozempic website, there is a big pop-up telling you, hey, you could get cancer, but people are like, it's cool, I'll be thin. Yeah. So we need to have that... But yeah, I knew... I fucking knew Oprah was on Ozempic. People
0: were like, people like Oprah... People were like, really hard? No, no!
1: She's on Ozempic. She's on Ozempic. She's
0: on a weight loss medication. The amount
1: of celebrities that are on
0: Ozempic. Kelly can- Clarkson, I saw just like a video going around of her on the internet singing with that guy. And, you know, people always tell me I look like her. And you do look like her. Yeah, I know. But I was like... That girl is not naturally thin. No, she is on Ozempic. But no, what I mean by that is, even when she was on American Idol, oh she,
1: but she was because she starved herself. She was she so skinny.
0: Yeah, was when I was at my skinniest, I looked like that. Yeah. But my body, I'm not a naturally thin person. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. have never been thin. Yeah. My body has never been small, and I have never been like you know. I come from like a poor family. It's not as if my mum was like fucking Feed me seven times a day. <laughs> But like yeah, also yeah. like we there's no sweets in my house. There's no like, do you know what I mean? There wasn't like shit to be like it's like three meals a day yeah. if you were lucky. But anyway, I just think these people who are taking this drug who have like access to everything that apparently helps you stay yeah, yeah, yeah. Slim, slim, right? Which yeah. is like, you know, a personal chef and a dietitian. Trainers. A trainer and time. Yep. Like your job is about your appearance. Mm-hmm. So like within that comes time to like work out and do all of those things. Yeah. And you're taking Ozempic and you
1: are not sick. In, yeah. And you're also not being honest about it. No. Also, I just appreciate that our GP is like, we don't give Ozempic to people except if they have diabetes. Yeah. Like there's a level of integrity with that that I really appreciate. Because the thoughts of me taking a drug that is taking it away from, like right, say Lexapro made you skinny. I'm on Lexapro.
0: And I started taking And you
1: started taking Lexapro and loads and millions and millions of people start LexPro Lexapro and I go over to my pharmacist and they're like, hey, we don't have any Lexapro. And I start detoxing from Lexapro Mm. when I kill myself. Yeah. And I know that that's a different thing, but it is technically not different because you are taking a drug from people who need it. Emmet, diabetes, if
0: you're on Ozempic for your diabetes, you're more than likely at risk of like a diabetic coma, like kidney disease. People don't care, Sarah. Like... Problems at your fee, yeah, like all sorts of things that will like eyesight issues, yeah. like diet, like you have an autoimmune disease that yep. is essentially killing your body, yeah, and now you can't get your medication that you need to stop can't that from happening.
2: Can't get your medication. like,
0: I got offered Ozempic and I talked about it on the show. And because of my kidney disease, and they were like, one of the side effects of Ozempic, because it treats diabetes, is it naturally treats your kidneys. Yeah. And it's, it's, it helps. It works and it helps. And because my kidney disease is rare and there's very few treatments for it and it's all about trying different things, my doctor was like, I could prescribe you. Our GP was like I'm not prescribing it for yeah. you he has to prescribe it for you. Um but that was like 450. <laughs> it was 700. <laughs> I couldn't get it for us. So because this. of because it wouldn't be prescribed for diabetes. It's is it seen as a vanity thing? It's no, it's because it's not it's then not covered under the HSE I drug get you. license. Yeah, 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 I get you. For what it's used for. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that because we live in Ireland most GP, most pharmacists won't give it out either unless no. you've, got, you've got, unless you're a uh, diet. And I'm sorry, clinic.
1: that is fair enough. Like but if you go up north, you can get it. Of course you can. And like, if I go up north now, I can get it. Like, it's insane. I just, I just feel like, also, I re- watched a really interesting essay the other day um, from a girl, I can't remember her name, I can't remember anything today, I'm so sorry, my brain is melted, Um, about the likelihood, how women's bodies change with our socioeconomic uh, standards in society. So at the moment, the world is in a recession. Mm. So when the world is in a recession, bodies are smaller. Women obsess about their weight more. We want to be thinner. Why? It's it's a known thing. So because it's seen as scarcity. So when there's a scarcity in life, the scarcity in the body starts. As opposed to, we'll say 15 years ago, when it was big butt. Big ass
0: Well actually yeah The Kardashians
1: are really big good Big size right? Like yeah. they were big big And so now it's so because 90s Yeah in. Because we weren't in The type of recession That we're currently in Now We're in a cost of living crisis Consistently oh, okay. now So it was seen So basically It's happened since the renaissance So when There was money and food And grandeur Women were bigger I have a renaissance body. And then when the 1940s happened And there was a massive recession And people were throwing Them off Themselves off buildings In fucking In New York The body image became tiny, skinny, waif-type women. So that travelled into the 50s, where a bigger bust and bigger hips became popular. The 60s saw another recession. Skinny, 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 skinny women. 70s, skinny, 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 skinny women. The only difference with the 80s is that cocaine became popular. So So there was excess. People people were were eating and drinking more. But when they were out, they were doing cocaine and speeds, so they were skinnier. Chino Marina. (laughs) So that's... That's and the early 2000s, like oh, the recession in Ireland 2000s, 2000s was a fucking wipeout, like with everything that happened 2007 on it became very, 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 very thin women, and then it became big bum, tiny waist, big thighs, uh. n- n- kind of chubbier cheeks, not a skinny face. But now that we've hit this current recession, once again, body images skinny, 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 uh. and it's so it's amazing that as human beings, because it's not happening with men. No. As human beings, our bodies are used to, like, gauge a society. I just find it very sad and very frustrating and deeply annoying. And I am so suffering so hard with my body image at the moment. So hard. Like, I'm just seeing this shit. I'm like, <sighs> and Oprah's on the couch with, um, what's her name? Fucking, who? What's Gail? The, no, what's her name? The fucking, oh, what's her name? The actress who has a talk show. Drew Barrymore. And she's like... Oh my god It's just so difficult Being rich And also um Skinny How do you say skinny I'm like shut the fuck up Everybody shut the fuck up Yeah I don't care about these Fucking billionaires I don't care anymore They would step over your corpse Over your corpse To make a dollar And yeah. you're worshipping them I do not care about these people Like They all make me Fucking sick mm. And just For Oprah Like Oprah's always been like this this is not new for Oprah no like this is not Oprah has never been a woman that told you to love your body as it is no Oprah never did that no Oprah said you must suffer and suffer and suffer and Oprah can be everything Oprah can be a philanthropist she can be a billionaire she can be a writer she can be an actress she can be a TV presenter she can be one of the richest women in the world but because she's not thin
0: people that's none of that matters yeah yeah
1: None of that matter to her. Yeah. Her entire life and her entire struggle has been to be thin. Thin. Yeah. I ju- I, it's baffling. That it's actually like, is a
0: really good point. I've never thought about it that way. Just,
1: I'm like, you have all these things. You are this person. You are, but it's every woman, every woman on the planet. It's like that scene in Fleabag where her the mum her mum is in it, who plays the the feminist professor, and she's like, If any would any of you take away five, raise your hand if any of you would take away five years of your life to have the perfect body. And her and Claire raise yeah. their hands. That's the truth. And also in that scene where she's with the priest, where she stands up, which is honestly one of the funniest scenes, you know, where they're sitting in the little church and yes. they're like, she's like, we're meant to sit here and not talk. And she's like, oh my God, I'm standing. She's like, sometimes I think I wouldn't be such so much of a feminist if my tits were bigger. But I... And I'm like, she's tr- she telling the, the truth? truth. Yeah, but I know for a fa- fact, like I remember
0: when, when we first start, not hanging out, not like in the beginning, but like as our friendship developed... And I, because you've taught me so much about like feminism, and I'm like just there are days where, and you've you've watched me do this, where I legitimately feel, and I hate myself for. I feel better from it, better about myself, when I know a man wants to sleep with me.
1: That's that is when I tell you, and I literally am like dying inside. I know because because I'm like I hate men because it's because it's conditioned into us. Like we, when I tell you we can't help this. We can, This is from the day you are born to the... Like, when you see comments of videos of little girls, four and five-year-olds, when you see comments underneath being, she's going to be a heartbreaker. The fuck is wrong, wrong with, with you? you? That's a four-year-old. Yeah. Like, that's a four-year-old child. Yeah. Why are you sexualizing a four-year-old child? Because that is... Nothing matters in this world, unfortunately. Not to me, because I love people the way they are, but nothing matters to a majority of society and it is a majority of society it doesn't matter what you do if you don't look a certain certain way way. they don't care and then when you do look that way you're a whore and a slut and fake and not a real person and we can't win I think that that's the most important thing to remember is we can't win so fuck it just do what you want just do what you want. Yeah, yeah. Because whatever you do, and that's something I probably would have told myself in the 20, in my 20s, you can't win. You can't win. So just do what you want. Just do what you want. Anyway. Hi, here's some housekeeping. Housekeeping? Yeah. Hi, welcome to the housekeeping. Thank you to everybody who bought tickets for the live shows. Yay. I say shows, one show. Show in February, in the Liberty Hall, Aiken are putting it on. They're doing a great job Thank you to every single person Who's bought a ticket We really really appreciate it It's February 28th 2024 Tickets are 20 euro It's on Ticketmaster But anyway um, Thank you to everybody Thank you to everybody Who's continuing to Listen to our Patreon We really appreciate that Also There's actually loads Of Patreon content There's loads And we're going to do A drive tomorrow Yeah And thank you to everybody Who's bought merch We've sent out all the merch It's all gone um, If you have any problems there's any issues Or anything Just DM me on Instagram And I'll, I'll talk to you about yeah, it Yeah thanks for Everybody that bought thank merch Thank you Jesus Like people buying Like two and three pins. At a time and stuff Just fucking Thank you very very much So yeah If you have any issues Or anything Please and post DM office, me
0: Post office can suck my dick Post office can fucking Get fucked at this point Anybody The trauma we've had <laughs> And they work for the post office Please Could you message us Could you please Because we've actually Been through quite a
1: lot They've been so horrible <laughs> <laughs> Like We have Sarah had a full blown Stare down in one post office did We told the story Yeah You've we been, did yeah but yes, just to say thank you. I've had any other housekeeping. Thank you to everybody who sent lovely messages on Instagram. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been, uh, communicating with us by email. I've replied to some emails, I'll reply to some more. Um, just thank you to everybody who's been so lovely and kind and so kind about Sarah not being well and me being in a wreck. So thank you very much. Close I am. Okay, Colin! He wanted me to call him halftime. This is halftime. Oh, halftime! Halftime, baby! <laughs> trigger,
0: trigger warning. I apologize.
2: Coming February twenty eighth to Liberty Hall, Dublin, Akin Promotion presents a true crime podcasting experience like no other. It's Murder Most Irish Live. Ah! Join Emma, Sarah-Jane and Cullen for a show that's crude. Says, the strangest
1: thing you've ever eaten. She's like, my ma's shit. Yeah.
2: Lewd. <laughs> Wax or shave. Shave. Hold on. Oh. You're arsehole. Rude. That's
1: my son. That's my son and he didn't know you were son. again. And
2: quite possibly new. You're
0: plowing those fields, baby, and I'm driving the Rolls Royce. Like and, that's uh, what's happening,
2: and then you're playing me a night nobody is. Murder most Irish live at Liberty Hall. Tickets available from ticketmaster.ie. Come Good night everybody
1: Um so this week I'm gonna cover the case of Question. cases because it's easier to read off this of the murder of Hannah Williams and Arlene Arkinson. Now, there are when I tell you gigantic huge trigger warnings in this podcast. For mentions of violence, extreme violence towards women, sexual assault, and rape, please don't listen to this if you were in any way triggered by these things because it's horrific. Mm. Like it's and it's done to young girls. Look so, after your mental health. Yeah, if you feel like you want to skip it this week, just listen to the long intro and skip it. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and your mental health is in the toilet, maybe give us a miss. Give us a miss this week. Do you yeah. know what to do? Go listen to What's a Happy Podcast. Oh
0: God. Uh, I'm not listening to Any happy ones at minute cause I'm Miserable Yeah I'm not listening um, to Any happy ones either um, And any of the happy ones I try to listen to I'm like These are fucking
1: idiots Go listen to older <laughs> I know Sarah's gonna call These fucking idiots Go listen to older episodes Of Off Menu maybe that's No like,
0: they are fucking idiots But uh, their episode like, But I tried this week But yeah. I'm too sad
1: The Dawn French one is really good They just did a Christmas special With Dawn French And I, I, love, really Dawn French. Don't. I, love, I love Dawn French I love Dawn French I love Dawn French French's uh, friendship with Jennifer Saunders that it's so genuine and lovely that they remind me of us yeah they are so I love that I go listen to the new episodes or old episodes of Off Menu or I'm trying to think of any other hot podcasts but I can't because I'm just listening to miserable shit
0: Jennifer Saunders tells a story about I think it was something they some society they were going to like potentially be like I can't remember exactly it was like an award Mm -hmm. and she says that they were sitting down having dinner and um, they were talking about it and Jennifer Saunders was like oh like, no, like, it's not for us, da 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 And she said she came out of the toilet and she said, Don French. she said, and Don French never would ever do this. She was like, she would always just be lovely and, like, kind of really passive. And I was always the one that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, and she just grabbed me and pushed me up against the wall. And she was like, we are going to do this because it's important and, like, we deserve it. And blah, blah, and, shook her. and then she was like, so she was like, it's the first. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we will. And she said, and then when we left, she was like, and also there's a toilet in Covent Garden. I mean, you'll have access. We'll have access to, to the toilet
1: I do. I love them. So yeah, listen to that, or just don't listen to this because it's deeply, deeply upsetting. And also, the level of police incompetency and the level of misogyny is off the charts. Do you remember that time there was a garden cork when we were doing the live show. It was what? There was a gardie. Oh, there was a member of one And she was so not happy. Ah, oh, was she though? I think she was alright.
0: I don't know. She had a look of like...
1: Apologize. apologies that Garda economy, But we didn't say anything about, bad about the Garda Sheecona that night. i got to say something bad about the Garda Sheecona tonight. Yeah. Oh, no, actually I'm not. It's not the Garda It's the RUC who I'm going to talk shit about. Yeah. And the police uh, in the United Kingdom who I'm going to talk shit about. And there's massive amounts of classism in this. So here we go. Oh. It's got everything. Um, April 21st, 2001. 14-year-old Hannah Williams left her home in Deptford, an area in southwest London close to the River Thames. She was dressed in trousers, a glittery black top, and she put a scrunchie in her long blonde hair. Hannah loved shopping, and when she told her mother, Bernadette, that she was going to the nearby market, her mum thought nothing of it. Hannah regularly window shopped. Shop owners remembered seeing her walking up and down the packed streets, peering in at the shops. Sorry, peering in at the shoes. I covered part of this story, didn't I? No, you were thinking of Robert Black. This is Robert Howard Totally different person Robert Black is the guy Who murdered all those Little girls And then they, they thought He murdered the girl In the North island well, Ireland
0: not, the, the story At the beginning of the story I completely know But go um, on anyway well, We didn't do
1: it Don't worry I checked Okay yeah Because last week <laughs> Peering in at the shoes And clothes she wanted to buy Hannah and her family Grew up in a close knit community Strewn with council houses Apartments And local shops a resident who spoke to Rekha Prasad, writing for The Guardian, told them, quote, It's too bloody close. Everybody knows what you're up to. Unfortunately for Hannah, on the day of April 21st, nobody in her community actually knew where she was. Bernadette started to worry as the sun set over London and Hannah had not arrived home. By 10pm, after frequent unanswered phone calls to Hannah's mobile and a friend of Hannah's informing Bernadette that Hannah had never turned up to meet her when they had arranged to hang out, Bernadette called the police to tell them her daughter was missing. Hannah Williams did not have an easy start to her life. When she was born, her parents separated, leaving Hannah to be raised in a one-parent household in an area where it was incredibly difficult to sustain a comfortable standard of living. At the age of four, four, Hannah was sexually abused by a boyfriend of her mother's and placed into care for a time. She was eventually returned to her mother and lived with her up until the day of her disappearance. Hannah was confident, <clears throat> Confident, she spoke up and was the person in her friend group who was the loudest. A girl who knew Hannah and had gone to her house previously told the Guardian, quote, she used to go on about who she fancied, she liked Leonardo DiCaprio and someone from Westlife. We'd chat about new songs. Sometimes she was really rude, the way she used to cuss people, she was crazy. Hannah was loved, not only by her family, but the friends she accumulated in her short life. You must hear this, a little girl who knew Hannah told the Guardian. Hannah saved me when another girl bullied me. Another girl who lived close to Hannah said she, quote, just used to make me laugh. She'd stick up for us. I think of her like a good friend. But she was also known to be shy around people she didn't know. She loved clothes that showed off her figure and got her nose pierced at a young age. Hannah also had learning difficulties and school was not something she particularly enjoyed, regularly not showing up. After calling the police, Bernadette then went to the local station. She told them about Hannah, about her learning difficulties and how she was tar- terrified something had happened to her daughter. The police, however, knew of Hannah and disregarded Bernadette's worry. Hannah had done this before, running away from days, for days and nights on end to the towns of Lewisham and Catford. Bernadette decided to take matters into her own hands. That night, as she panicked and fretted about Hannah, she took a recent photo of her daughter, pasted it onto a piece of paper and wrote a makeshift missing poster. The next morning, she had copies printed and passed them out to anyone she could find in the area. Shopkeepers in the market where Hannah was last seen taped them to their walls and windows.
0: Isn't that I just think it's odd to me that, like, you wouldn't trust a mother's instinct.
1: Yep, they were like, oh, she does this, so... The police, once again, continued to do nothing and refused to issue official missing persons posters. For how long? Months. What? A spokesperson for the Metropolitan Police explained their reasoning as a sighting of Hannah had been made a few days after her disappearance. However, this sighting turned out to be false. False. So they said it turned out that the information was ins- incorrect, and so Sue subsequently stepped up the investigation. Everything possible with publicity was done. Months after she disappeared, it's too late. Then too late. The official missing persons posters went up, and extensive interviews began with Hannah's family, friends, neighbors, and anyone knew her or knew of her or knew the area. <coughs> Residents of the area remembered the onslaught of police with helicopters flying overhead. However, at this point, Hannah had been missing for months. Rumours circulated in the area about Hannah's disappearance, stemming from cruel, that she had run off with another bad egg, uh, someone just like her, to downright nonsensical, that she had somehow met a sugar daddy. Oh, fuck off. She's 14. The reaction to Hannah's disappearance was steeped in classism and stewed in ignorance. Where Hannah was from and what her background was were to the forefront of her missing persons case. From the police disregarding Bernadette's pleas to the media actively ignoring what had happened to her. Hannah was a bad kid from a bad area. These things just happen to people like her. Rekha Prasad, in her article titled The Girl Who Vanished for The Guardian, wrote of speaking to the charity Missing Persons Helpline. They explained the nuances of the reporting in certain cases. The spokesperson explained that some families do not want publicity, which they don't. Others simply do not, just don't know how to get it. They don't know where to go. She also spoke of the, quote, remarkable prerequisites from the media with some magazines, newspapers, etc. only wanting to report on missing persons who meet a certain standard. These standards being that the person is from a two-parent family or from a white family, or in Hannah's case, not from a poor family. Bernadette asked for help at every single avenue, contacting the media and begging them to talk about Hannah. As months passed, Hannah remained missing. Six months after her disappearance, one shopkeeper told The Guardian that he took down Hannah's missing poster, saying, quote, we had it up for six months, but it's not right having it around now. The disparity in the reporting of Hannah's case became very evident when Andy Robinson, writing for the Kent Live News, published an article outlining the media's reaction to the disappearance. Andy said that upon searching archives from various outlets, there were only 62 articles in total. Comparing this to the cases of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman, who were were kidnapped and murdered by Ian Huntley, a total of nearly 900 articles could be found in a matter of weeks following their kidnapping. Robinson took a quote from criminologist professor Fiona Brookman from her book Understanding Homicide. So Fiona said this. Hannah's disappearance never attracted the kind of headlines that followed the disappearance of Danielle Jones, a 15-year-old Essex girl who went missing two months after Hannah, nor the widespread media coverage of the disappearance of Millie Dowler. Despite the best efforts of the National Missing Persons Helpline to generate significant media coverage for all vulnerable missing persons, the media only tend to focus on particular cases that fit in with their publications. The vulnerable cases which generate the greatest publicity tend to be those where the missing person is white, Female, from a middle class, two parent stable family, and where there is no indication that the young person may have run away. Yeah. Hannah did not fit all of these criteria. She was not the model middle class schoolgirl. Rather, she was from a working class b- background. Her parents were estranged and she wore a stud in her nose. Hannah's mother continued searching for her daughter as the p- police and her community all but gave up. Her daughter became someone that these these things just happened to. Some people believe she had run away and that she would eventually return home. But Hannah never returned home. And one year later, the truth of what happened to Hannah Williams would finally appear. Mm. Now, so this was 2000. And what did I say? One. One. Now I'm going to take you back to the year 1994. What a year for Ireland! To Castle Derg in County Tyrone. So, on the 13th of August, 1994, 15-year-old Arlene Arkinson was babysitting for her sister, Kathleen, whilst Kathleen was at Bingo. At about 8pm, Arlene got a phone call from her friend, Donna Quinn, asking if Arlene could come out with her to the Palace Hotel in Bundoran County. Oh. Arlene told Donna that Kathleen would be home from Bingo about 10.30 and she could go with her then. When Donna arrived to collect Arlene, Kathleen answered the door and asked her who was going. Donna told her that it would be her... Arlene, uh, Donna's mother, and Donna's boy uh, boyfriend Sean, and then a gentleman called Bob. Okay. Now Bob was her mother's boyfriend. Right. Okay. When Donna arrived, I read that. Sorry. Kathleen felt comfortable enough, letting Arlene go, as she knew Donna's mother, Pat Quinn, would be with, be with them. Okay. However, it seemed that plans changed, as when Arlene got into the car, the only adult there was Bob Pat's partner.
0: Oh, okay. What happened to everybody else? They just didn't go. Did they lie? You'll find out Oh
1: okay Arlene like Hannah Came from a difficult And tumultuous background And their childhoods Hold some striking And sad similarity Arlene's mother Had passed away When she was 11 And Arlene missed her terribly Her father was an alcoholic And was unable to care for her And her siblings And Arlene being the youngest Moved in with her older sister Anita This did not last long As Seamus McGill Anita's partner Sexually abused Arlene Fox He was convicted And spent one year in prison Oh well done Arlene moved around from sibling to sibling and sometimes she would stay with friends. Her life seemed to lack structure and she started going to pubs and clubs at a very young age. Like Hannah, Arlene had sometimes gone missing for a number of days, the family not knowing where she was, but she was usually in contact and did usually return within 48 hours. Arlene was extremely close to her sister Kathleen, seeing her as as almost a second mother Growing up with a somewhat broken family, experiencing abuse, a lack of stability and living in Castle Derg, a border town known for being a casualty of the Troubles and an area of violence, suffering from poor socioeconomic structure, Arlene was in the social services system and a number of times it had been requested that she be placed in care. However, Arlene did not want this and wanted to stay close to whatever family member she could. So she was, you know, she didn't have stability, yeah. but she wasn't a bad kid yeah. and her family loved her a lot. And I think that they came to a conclusion of like, if at least if she's with one of us, she's safe. Okay. So they had kind of built a structure of she can go to everybody's house because they all live very close to each other. Right. So akin to where Hannah... I know
0: loads of people that grow up like yeah,
1: that. Yeah. Akin to where Hannah lived, Castle Derg was a small tight-knit town where everybody knew everybody else's business. In Murder in the Badlands, the Netflix documentary, it's episode three, Arlene was described as a lovely, sweet, kind girl. Although somewhat wayward, waywardness in teenagers is not uncommon, and especially given Arlene's circumstances. I would
0: have... There'd be periods of, like, my teenage years where my parents would not know where I am. Yeah. And for, like, close to, like, four or five days. Yeah, they'd
1: be like, where is she? I don't know. She's fine, though. That kind of mentality. Her family called her a social butterfly, a pretty girl who loved being around people. On the 14th of August, uh, Kathleen went to her brother Martin's house to collect Arlene. As I mentioned above, it was not uncommon for Arlene to stay in her siblings' houses randomly. When Kathleen asked Martin to wake Arlene, he told her that she had not come back to his house. Now that again, was quite common. She was like... Probably with somebody else. Kathleen was concerned, but not overtly worried, as this was common for Arlene. But something made her begin to question where her sister was. She went to the Quinns' home. Arlene had been out with Donna and her mother on Saturday night, so maybe they knew. However, when she spoke to the Quinns, they seemed to be confused and mixing up their stories. The Quinns told Kathleen that Arlene hadn't actually gone to Bundorum with them, that she had gotten out of the car a little while into the journey and walked away and disappeared. What? Kathleen was suspicious, and on Tuesday the 16th, Arlene's sister Mary went back to the Quinn's house. So she was be like, nah, something's up here. This time Bob, Pat's partner, answered the door. She asked him where Arlene was, that she knew he had been in the car with her niece, and he told her he didn't fucking know and slammed the door in her face. Mary went back to Kathleen and told her that something was very wrong, that Bob had scared her. He has done something to Arlene, she told Kathleen. As Arlene was on the social services system, on the 16th, they were advised that Arlene was missing. And it was then that the police became involved. The RUC called to Donna Quinn's house to interview her. Here she told them that Bob drove Donna, her boyfriend, and Arlene to Bundoran. When the police spoke to Bob, he initially denied being a Bundoran, but eventually admitted that he had and that he had driven them all home. He said that he dropped Arlene to a pub at Castle Derg and arrived back to the Quinn's residence somewhere between 3 and 3.30am. By himself? Yep. Patricia Quinn, Bob's partner and Donna's mother all corroborated the story. So they were like, yeah, he's telling the truth. Even though when Kathleen and Mary went it to the house, they the were same. like, something completely different. So they were all telling different stories. So nobody knew what was true. Um, so Bob then told the police he had seen Arlene the next day on the 14th after they'd been in Bundoran in Castle Derg in a blue car with a man he did not recognise. In case you don't know, that's bullshit. Yeah. Arlene's family did not trust Bob and did not believe the story he had told the police. Bob's full name was Robert Howard. Howard, who was 50 years old at the time of Arlene's disappearance, was known in Castle Derg as somewhat of an absolute fucking weirdo. Okay. Howard, although 50 would frequent bars and pubs with teenage girls, plying them with alcohol. He never spent any time with men or women his own age, except for his partner, Pat. As rumours began circulating as to what had happened to Arlene, it became evident that she was another case of people like this deserve what happens to them. Some believed Arlene to be pregnant and that she'd gone to England to have an abortion. Kathleen immediately denied this, explaining that Arlene hadn't brought any clothes with her and she, in fact, didn't have any money at all. Like These people were very poor. Mm. As the police continued their investigation, Kathleen spoke to Pat Quinn and her daughter Donna again. Kathleen said their stories continued to change every time she spoke to them and that she knew that they were somehow involved. These changing stories also caused huge problems for the police as it was becoming impossible to piece together what had actually Actually happened. happened that night Arlene disappeared. However, serious questions were raised as to why the police were not quicker with an arrest when they realised that the last adult to see Arlene Atkinson alive was Robert Howard. So now I'm going to talk about Robert Howard. Um, It's not fun, please. It's terrible. So, Robert Howard was born in 1944 in Wolf Hill in County Leach. Howard was a smart child, but a troublemaker. In County where? County Leach. Oh, I didn't know he was Irish. Yeah. And that's why you were thinking of the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Count Alish. He was a smart child, but a troublemaker. And when he was caught stealing at age 13, he was placed in St. Joseph's Industrial School in Clonmel. In Susan McKay's article for The Guardian, a former inmate of Howard's spoke of the abuse they suffered. He said, The place was unbelievable. We were starved. We were beaten with leather straps with coins sewn into them until we were bleeding. We had to gather turnips and stones for the local farmers. You had no name. You had a number. There were boys in there going around like zombies. We were terrified all the time. A lot of us were damaged for life. Love was never spoken of, never shown. There was never a comforting word, just relentless violence. There was also sexual violence, which Howard said he had experienced. Okay. At a young age, he was kicked out of home and he began living rough, spending his time traveling the Irish countryside, living in caves and wielding his way through the most remote part of the country. Robert's father, an alcoholic, wanted nothing to do with him, and several farmers spoke of finding Robert asleep in their sheds or wandering on their land. One man, a young boy at the time, spoke of finding Robert asleep in their shed. He said, we found a diary. It was all about how he wanted to break into women's houses when they were in the bath and the violent things he'd do to them. Oh. My father caught us reading it and took it away. What? Another man was shocked to find a local man performing oral sex on 15-year-old Robert in his field. The farmer fired a shot from his rifle into the air and the two fled. What the fuck? So I'm not trying to justify what Robert Howard does. I'm just explaining your back, his background to you. So at the age of 19, Howard was living in London and this is where his first known assault is to have taken place. Please, massive trigger warnings. So pretending to be a doctor, Howard entered the room of a six-year-old girl where he attempted to rape her, severely hurting her. A week later, he returned to the same girl, but this time he was caught. His punishment was what not... What
0: do you mean he pretended to be a doctor?
1: He went into like a hospital, pretending to be a doctor. Went into this little girl's room And tried to rape her And then came back a week later And tried it again And he was caught His punishment was nine days In a detention centre And deportation to Ireland However only months later He once again returned to the UK
0: It's It's like I could go to the UK Now with my driver's With like a bus pass
1: Yeah I can get in the boat in 1969, Howard broke into a young woman's home in County Durham and attempted to rape her. She was able to free herself and ran from her house screaming for help. Howard followed her and began strangling her as neighbours who had heard the commotion intervened. He served three years in prison for this, and during this time he assaulted a female guard. By 1973, Howard was free again, but his violence did not wane. Changing his name to Leslie Cahill, he moved to Yole yeah. in County Cork. On a summer's night in 1973, he broke into the home of a 58-year-old disabled woman. He stole her car keys and wallet, then dragged her upstairs, breaking her ankle. He then tied her to her bed, stuffed cotton wool into her mouth and repeatedly raped her. He then drove off in her car. The next morning, as the woman lay barely able to breathe, some relatives called to visit. They found her and they saved her life. Oh my God! This motherfucker is pure evil. Howard surrounded himself with terrible people. He had a kinship to rapists and paedophiles. A young girl who would become known as the Kilkenny incest Victim spoke of how her father, who regularly beat her, raped her and shared pornographic pictures of her to his friends in the pub, eventually impregnating her, was friends with Robert Howard. Just to let you know, her father was arrested and jailed for seven years. Seven. Seven years. Seven years. She told Susan McQuay, quote, Bob used to come to our house sometimes at night and he and my father would drink whiskey and put together. My father would say to him, where have you been? He'd say, I've been visiting relatives. My father would laugh. I always knew it felt like some sort of code. He was creepy. They were birds of a feather. Oh, this poor woman. I know. In 1983, Howard married a woman he met in a hospital in Dublin. She was described as vulnerable by her friends and family and that Howard had routinely abused her. The marriage lasted three years. So, in 1990, Howard moved moved to Northern Ireland, and it was around this time he met Patricia Quinn and moved to Castle Derg.
0: And was Patricia Quinn a bit special?
1: No, not really, I don't think so. Oh. In 1991, whilst living in a caravan on the outskirts of Castle Derg, now, I just want you to know, this man has habitually Uh, raped. raped and abused women. It is now 1991, and he's still doing it, and nothing has been done about it. In 1991, whilst living in a caravan on the outskirts of Castle Derg, Howard, now 47, had a 22-year-old woman come visit him. It was here he tied her up and raped her repeatedly. He was extremely violent towards her, and it was only when her parents arrived to take her back to Dublin three weeks later that she was free. The woman then became pregnant as a result of the rapes and decided to keep the child. It wouldn't have been 1997 before the full details of her abuse would be brought to the police. The victim, once again, was an extremely vulnerable person. She was considered too vulnerable to give evidence, and Howard was not charged. Three weeks of abuse? Hmm. Emma! As Howard remained free after years and years of violence, rape, and destruction, his next victim would be Patricia Gahan. Patricia was just 15 years old when she left home due to a volatile family life. Patricia's mother died in a car accident when she was five and her father found it incredibly difficult to control her and her nine other siblings. Oh, good God. Patricia said she was running away from her father, but called herself wild and did not blame her dad. Patricia's friend had a boyfriend who knew a lady named Patricia Quinn, who said they were happy for her to stay in the house whilst looking for a permanent place. Patricia Quinn had a teenage daughter named Donna, so Patricia thought she would be safe there. Gahan was happy in Castle Derg. She got a part-time job and became friends with Donna and Donna's best friend, Arlene. Mm. Robert Howard had now begun living in a flat in the town and was more than happy to let Donna's teenage friends spend the night there. Oh, foxy. Patricia said of Robert, quote, He knew I had nothing. He knew everything about me. He brought me cigarettes and runners and things. He used to bring us up to the bog to cut turf. He brought a brought me out for drinks. I knew him as Bob. He called me Mick. He was so nice to me. He was from the south like me. I'd left daddy and he was like a daddy who let me do what I wanted. I thought the world of him. Patricia had been in Castle Derg when Robert had proposed a plan to her. He knew that she fancied a local taxi driver and he was going to help get them together. He told Patricia to tell her friends she was going away for the weekend but instead she would go to Robert's flat where she would meet the taxi driver and spend the weekend with him.
0: Oh, for fuck's
1: sake. When Patricia arrived at the flat, the taxi driver was not there, but was Robert was. She said she remembered being scared, but she didn't know why and she had a pounding headache. Howard gave her what she thought were painkillers. He then sat her on his knee. Patricia did not remember anything after this and woke up naked in Howard's bed. He tried to touch her, but she told him no. And he retorted, you didn't say no last night. Oh my God. Howard then put a rope around her neck and repeatedly raped her for three days. I was roaring, crying, and he told me to shut up. That he was going to do what he was going to do, whether I was alive or dead. Oh, fuck's sake. On the third day, Patricia escaped. Now, she escaped by getting out a top floor window, like jumping two stories down. and She ran to the police station. As she wept and begged for help, Patricia said she was aware that the police did not believe her. This is from Susan McKay in the Guardian. Quote, they banged the table and shouted at me. They wanted to know why I hadn't tried to get away sooner and why I, why I did not initially tell them the, about the, her interest in the taxi driver. What the fuck? Like Hannah and Arlene, Patricia was a troublemaker. She was difficult. Things like this happened to people like her. Although Patricia had strangulation marks around her neck and was deeply traumatised, the police still chose to believe that she was a consenting party. Um, I
0: mean, she was violently raped for three days. She would have had, like, vaginal tearing. Mm-hmm. She would have shown symptoms She's and signs 15. of being violently raped and she went to he- for help and, and they, they were, were like
1: mm, we don't know. We don't believe you. <clears throat> Patricia was sent to a children's home and then back to her father in the Midlands. Howard was released on bail. So they did arrest him eventually. He was released on bail and told to stay with the Quins, <laughs> even though Donna, a teenage girl, was in the house. So they were like, you've done this thing. Just stay in the Quins house, don't leave the Quinns house he was told not to go to bars or pubs in the area none of which he listened to in 1994 patricia was told her case was coming up and she would be called to give evidence however this never happened instead all charges of rape and buggery were dropped against howard and instead he pled guilty to unlawful carnal knowledge so basically they said you she was she sorry she was 16 you you thought she was 17 which is the legal age so we're just going to charge you with unlawful carnal knowledge But she wanted it. I was trying to make me angry today. Yeah, that's that's why I'm angry. Once again, the inference was that Patricia was a consenting partner. Patricia's statements were heavily edited and a lawyer for the prosecution told the court that no rope had been found. In January 1995, Robert Howard was passed down a three-year suspended sentence for unlawful carnal knowledge with a 16-year-old. But they have access to his records. He has a history of... They all have access to his records. Everybody has access to his records. So he was three years suspended sentence for unlawful carnal knowledge with 16-year-old Patricia Gahan. The judge told him a psychiatric report had shown that Howard was extremely dangerous and had a propensity to dominate teenage girls sexually and physically. His actions were premeditated and he was extremely resistant to change. He was ordered to stay away from teenagers. What? So this was 1995. Okay. okay. A year previously, Arlene Arkinson, Patricia's friend, had gone missing and he had become the prime suspect. He was the last person with her. So they already knew they already knew that he was the prime suspect for Arlene Arkinson. He was then accused of raping another young girl, and they said, nah, it was consenting. They already knew what he'd done. What the fuck's going on in this town? The police listened to Howard when he told them he had dropped Arlene to a pub nearby her family home on the night she went missing and they searched that area continuously, interviewing as many people as they could who would have been in or around the pub that night. What the police didn't do was listen to Kathleen Arkinson's continued pleas about Howard, that he was extremely dangerous, and that he had done something to Arline. The police were almost hesitant to call the case a murder investigation, instead believing the wayward Arlene would return, even though her last known whereabouts was with a violent, rapist paedophile. Six weeks after Arlene's disappearance, Howard was finally arrested. He reiterated his story to the police that he dropped Arlene home and that any, sorry, to the pub and that any confusion from Donna or Pat about times was simply a matter of misremembering. He also allowed the police to search his flat in Castle Derg, telling them that if they found anything odd, it was because someone had broken in and ransacked the place. What? (laughs) Howard was released the next day. As Kathleen carried on her campaign to have Howard arrested, a policeman told her, quote, I wish I could show you Howard's record. It's the length of my arm. So they knew. Howard returned to Quinn's home where a petrol bomb was thrown into the house. He was then driven out of Castle Derg by angry and deeply hurt people of the town. He lived rough in a van on the border and when locals found out who he was, they moved him on. Howard then fled to Scotland in 1995 with Patricia Quinn following him. What? She was still with him, Sarah. She was still with him. She had a teenage daughter living in her house. This man had been accused of two rapes and countless... Sorry, three rapes... Four rapes and countless other violent incidents and she was still with him. He told the local Scottish housing authority that the IRA were after him and he needed a safe place to live. He was then given a flash situated between two schools. Emma. So that is the first part of the murder of Arlene Arkinson and Hannah Williams by the absolutely vile, putrid, evil cunt Robert Howard. How deeply frustrating it is to read something like that when the police have a case file this thick on that motherfucker and that he has been raping children since he was like 18 years old. He has been arrested and jailed for it. He is living in the area and two one girl is missing and another girl has been violently raped for 3 days and he is walking around. I don't I <laughs> I don't want to do this podcast anymore. I'm sorry. I just her wait for you here next week. Oh my god, wait for you here next week. This gets so much worse before it gets in any way even if you can say better. The treatment of the Arkansans by the RUC is actually tantamount to revenge. Like it's the only way I can describe it. What they do to them, I'll tell you next week. Oh, you okay? Yeah. What you do? Just Same nails. It's just me. Um. So yeah, that's part one. I'm going to do part two next week because honestly, I'm I'm very angry. I'm yeah, very I know. I think that's why I was so warm because I was reading can it I and have I was some getting this one Of course, you can yeah. Um. So next week I'll do part two, which is talking about. Is this blanket a puzzle? I can never figure out what way it's supposed to go. There you go. Which is basically talking about um, the outcome of Arlene's case, the frustrating outcome of Arlene's case, how the Arkinsons were treated, how the Williams family were treated by the police in the United Kingdom, and how classism is alive and well in every country you ever go to because of the dismissiveness towards a family where, like, my daughter is missing with, well, she's a tearaway
0: or you don't have any money. Or you don't
1: have any money, so therefore we're not going to talk about it. Why does she it. want to live with you? And how the media genuinely only care about somebody when they can be like, oh, she came from a really well-to-do family and blah, 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 blah. the same in the Irish media when anything happens to somebody from the flats. Yeah. Yeah. So they're killing each other. Yeah, yeah. It's grand. Um. But we will, yes, we will be back next week. Um... It's very frustrating. If you, there is a documentary called The Badlands. It's excellent. It's very, very good. And if you want to watch that before you listen to next week, in case you don't want to listen next week, because it's very frustrating. Um, <laughs> it's very frustrating. Um, Arlene's family are incredible and they have been through just re-traumatized, 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 re-traumatized constantly for years. These people have been fully re-traumatized by the police force in the, in, um, Northern Ireland. So yes, that is it.
0: Well thanks for that.
1: You're welcome You fucking <laughs> We'll um, be back next week on home now <laughs> We're gonna We'll record via the internets next week Why? Because I'll be in Longford. for it. Well you're here on Friday Yeah but I'm, I have to go back up Oh okay Yeah uh, Everybody have a lovely week Look after yourselves Did you yourself. hear that? I was. I've heard it oh, Sarah Farton. I've heard it Have a lovely
0: week <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you next week Say goodbye Goodbye everybody Happy Christmas and we hope you have a nice week and I'm sorry that Emma has bummed Gisalo apologies for the bum out It's going to be more bum out next week
2: She said it's just a Trying to be that bitch Uh, I'm just up here trying to make a difference Drinking for the nerve, but I'm all fucked up And I'm worried about my hair and my makeup, makeup Uh, I made me madder for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down, shivering in the secondhand shade And I hate on every choice that I ever made, ever made This life just isn't to my taste So I beat my face Stuff, it's just a dream, just a dream, but I can't. unsee what I've seen, what I've seen. I'm a killer, I'm a villain. I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend, but it's only a dream. It's only a dream, my case. Can't tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream, but I can't. unsee what I've, seen, what I've seen, what I've seen. I'm a killer, I'm a villain. I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend, but it's only a dream. Yo, it's only and a and fiend, I'm my case. This could be a super villain, Norwegian story. Cause not too long ago, I was just a regular girly preoccupied with boys and spending all of my money on some see-through material just to cover my body That's right. then one night I had an accident that set me apart I was exposed to an element and it captured my heart yeah, those ill-begotten daughters of the glamorous game. yeah, they gave me a home and let me pick my new name so I took to the stage just like a night to an artery and I gave you my spirit and made this killer a part of me I'm no longer a character, I'm a fucking calamity I'm serving you make-believe with the side shots at the bar i'm living off cocaine and ecstasy and i'll murder my friends set up camp with my enemies till the day i decided to keep the monster inside of me but i can't leave it in its place so i'll beat my face. tell myself, it's just a dream just a